Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome back, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. Brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. You can also listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Uh, also check out our website, the-barnburner.com. Tonight we're going to do kind of a roundtable, Grizzlies offseason, talk some free agent targets, some potential trades, dip into the draft just a little bit. You got the full crew tonight. I'm Zach. You can find me on Twitter at BarnburnerBro, and also have Mason, Rich, and Sam with me. We haven't talked in a few weeks, guys. Mason, how you been? Man, I've been doing better than you. Breaking <laughs> 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 news. Our boy Zach is having the COVID. He's doing much better. He's feeling good. So uh, he's quarantined. Don't worry. But just had to get the, get the elephant in the room out of the way uh, right off the bat. Other than that, man, I'm good. Tigers football got a win. Um, hard fought comeback victory. Titans had a nice showing today after a lackluster first half. And uh, I got three fantasy teams winning, and I'm gonna win like 28 bucks in FanDuel. So all in all, a pretty good weekend for the Mace. Sounds uh sounds pretty solid. Can't complain too too much there. Uh, what about you, Rich? How have you been? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. Just getting back in town uh, from a nice little getaway. Uh, with the lady and some friends from undergrad. Always good being able to see some fellow Fiskites. Uh, got to see the Tigers play today. Um, took a hard-fought L, but still proud of them boys. We still control our destiny. Still topping the division because the AFC South is trash. So can't complain. Tighten up, baby. True that. Um, it, does the COVID affect your podcasting ability at all? Like, is it? Is it? Are we? Are we going to be normal? Or are we going to? perform to the best of our abilities at this point because as editor-in-chief you know if you have any sort of a, accommodation i have to make uh in order to not be sued for discrimination i have to make a reasonable accommodation for your health needs um i mean you know, of course we are a a you know we are a good workplace at the barn burner and we treat our employees with respect including violating their hipaa rights by talking about how they have covid uh, <laughs> on the podcast. uh but you know whatever <laughs> yeah i mean it's a little extended uh you know, downtime, little off season. I wasn't prepped for, so vocal cords haven't been super warmed up. Not really sure what's going to happen here, but you know, I will try to play hurt as much as I can coming off the IL. Um, so we'll we'll just take it where it goes, I guess. Hey man, like Jan Jackson said, you're like a, a kid just waiting to get out of timeout. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you you sound good. You, I think you're going to be fine. Um, I have two two things to report. The uh, First of all, Mason and I are Braves fans, and we saw our Braves uh, blow a 3-1 lead, uh, which is uh, more and more common these days, uh, to, a, to a really good Dodgers team, which was tough to watch. Game seven, I remember thinking to myself, there's no way they lose this, right? I mean, they won't lose three straight. But in the back of my mind, if I was really being honest with myself, as Soup says, in the deep places, the dark places that I don't want to talk about, I knew we were going to lose that game. Um, the Atlanta curse is, is strong and in place. I thought this young crew might have, uh, might've just ignored it or forgotten that it exists or never been aware of it at all, considering a lot of them aren't even from the States. Uh, so, uh, but it is alive and well, my friends. And, uh, and I've been trying to like actually research why it's in place. You know, it isn't like the curse of the Bambino or these other like long running baseball curses. It's like, what did Atlanta do to, uh, to, to actually deserve this? 
And I think, and from my research uh, in the deep bowels of Reddit, uh, what happened was we still don't actually know how they got the fucking Olympics in 96. And if you really think about it, that makes no sense why Atlanta at that point got the Olympics. So I'm thinking there was some sort of nefarious deal with um, uh, the devil or whatever your dark demon deity is uh, at that point that has uh, cast a shadow over the Braves. So hopefully at some point we can run that timeline out and advance uh, to the World Series. Is that also what's happened to the Falcons? Is that kind of... Yeah, the theory is that and the Hawks, it just enveloped all of Atlanta's Okay. Well, the yeah. Falcons had an excruciating loss today. They they oh, literally yeah. lost on the last play of the game. And <laughs> Todd Gurley scored a touchdown when he shouldn't have scored a touchdown, which is weird to think in football. And then the Lions, led by Matthew Stafford, drove down the field, scored, and beat the Falcons. <laughs> and it's just adding on to the misery for Atlanta sports fans. So sorry to all those Atlanta sports fans. I am a Braves fan. That was tough to see. But uh, the Dodgers are a hell of a team. So Hopefully the Braves will be back, but uh, let's get into some hoops. Wait a minute. I have the second thing I want to talk oh, about. Oh, my bad. My bad. You good? So I, uh, this is like the most most uh, decently <laughs> upper middle class white guy thing that I've been doing recently is uh, I've been going to uh, the Sweat House. You guys familiar with this at all? No. Probably not. All right. So what it is is you go in and you, you sit in this pod. <laughs> this one of them Robert your, Kraft things? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> No, it's not is quite like down, that. I mean, honestly, is this down on near the, uh, it is. It's in it's in it's in the very white part of East Memphis. Okay. Yes, it's like next to Orange Theory. If that gives you an idea of like what we're talking here, so you you buy a subscription, uh, you pay per month, and then you go in and you sweat and you go in these little pods like a tan. It's basically a tanning bed, but not. I mean, there's not like ultraviolet uh, light. You just lay in this pod and it heats your body temperature to a level that's like super hot and then you sweat and then you like sweat out toxins and it's just it's it, it limbers up your muscles so if you have like a workout week then you get there and you feel good afterwards so i've been doing that sweated today feel great feel like it cleared some toxins from last night had a few people over and drank like a bottle and a half of red wine and um, so now i'm feeling good and i, I just want to say i i enjoy it it's something you might might try at some point in your life it's a little weird but uh you know don't knock it till you try it all right, no no rebuttal from me. <laughs> All right, Zach, uh, what's uh, what? So one one of the things that you wanted to do was talk about the forty best NBA players uh, in the league right now and rank them all. But I, I thought that given that we have maybe just now a few months of offseason basketball to kind of go through and create a podcast about, that we could save that and we could immediately talk about what we're in right now, which is free agency and kind of the off season, if you want to call it that. Uh, of uh, for the upcoming season. So we want to talk about some stuff the Grizzlies might do to improve their team. And so I think we each came up with three trades and or transactions the Grizzlies can do this offseason 2020 using the assets they have in real life to figure out what, what we could do to improve our team. And it might very well be that you couldn't think of three and you'd rather just stand pat. Um, so I figure we could just each give one and cycle around until we've each given three. Um, but we'll start with, uh, start with Zach. Go ahead, give me, give me one transaction. Does this include the draft? Because I've got some. Uh, I, 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 I yes, could go with some the draft. I could go with some low-hanging fruit, um, but yes, go know, for it. You know, I'll, I'll uh, I'm going to take a swing at the draft. So Grizzlies are picking 40th. Nothing in the first round. Probably not going to get a guy that's going to you know move the needle, you know, substantially right off the bat. You're you're what you're trying to do is find that that you know mid second round guy who is a surprise like the Duncan Robinson type, you know, obviously that's an exception to what usually happens in that part of the round. But 
Uh, a couple guys that I think would be interesting for uh, Memphis to try to go for that I've seen on a lot of mocks are, are still around in that uh, in that range kind of. One guy that I've probably talked about before on here, uh, Peyton Pritchard, guard from Oregon. So he's senior. He's a little bit older than some of the guys, but I think with him, you you definitely get a sturdy ball handler. He's good shooter, shot over forty percent from three, and could easily be the third point guard on the team. Uh, like when Tyus was out, that really hurt us. You kind of thought that Kyle could play some point guard, but really just. He has chemistry with a few people, but overall, not someone I'm trying to trust with too much, too many point guard minutes. And, you know, Lord knows Dylan, and you really don't want Grayson handling the ball that much uh, from their roles. So I think Peyton Pritchard could be a guy that Memphis might try to snag, come in with already some experience leading a team um, and could find a spot, you know, in that rotation towards the back end. Like I said, I don't think that, you're going to get anyone that is like guaranteed to move the needle for you, but kind of worth the risk. Um, a very, very low risk and could also have medium upside, not a super upside guy. If you're doing that, I think you're kind of trying to look for someone like Jamis Ramsey from Texas tech, who's a pretty young guy. He's just a freshman, uh, super athletic guy that was interested in you know, coming out of high school uh, that Memphis was kind of thrown in the mix. The Tigers were for him, but ended up going to Texas Tech ultimately. Uh, sh- he shot pretty good from three on not a ton of attempts, but he's just a really raw athlete. So maybe someone were taking a flyer on for the Grizzlies uh, should they choose to go that route and get really risky with it. Or I think if you want more of a proven commodity, know what you're going to get. A Peyton Pritchard type guy uh, is what you're going to go for there. So that's kind of a two for one. Um, on two different approaches that you could take with the upcoming draft, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and something I would like to see in the draft is to uh, package that 40th pick, maybe along with some other second-round picks we own in the future. We've got one, two, three, four, five. got like eight second-round picks over the next three drafts. So if we could package some of those and move up, a lot of these teams like the Boston Celtics have three first round picks. There's a few other teams who've got multiple uh, first round picks. And I would like to just move up into that late first round. And I don't have a prospect in mind, but whoever our front office has spent the past seven months watching tape on and identifying that they like um, to me, position really doesn't matter. Just pick the player you like the most to fit with this team. Um, I mean, because we could use anything. We could use a, a backup point guard. We could use a wing. We could use a big. Um, so really, you know, the the door is wide open for this front office to uh, use some assets that they have collected over the last year and a half and jump up into this draft. And also with the first round pick, you have more control. You've got uh, basically four years of team control. And with the market kind of being unknown and also with the nucleus of our guys being this the timeline would match up if you happen to hit on that first round draft pick so like i said don't have a prospect in mind but a uh, first order of business for me would be on draft night to try to move into you know 20 20 20 to 30 that late first round yeah that's one of mine too i had that as uh, i said trade the sun second round of this year and next year maybe the mavs 21 2021 second rounder maybe we get off slow-mo too uh, as part of that, and maybe some team he could, you know, definitely benefit some teams, just not us the way we play right now. So it, maybe you're looking at Philly or the Nugs, for example. I could see him being on the Nuggets. Nuggets mm-hmm. sit at 22 right now. 
Um, I could see them maybe wanting to take like a, a more veteran guy that fits their timeline because they're obviously trying to win now and want guy, a guy that can contribute off the bench. Uh, and I identified a couple guys that I could see there at that at that position. And granted, no one knows what the fuck's going to happen in this draft because like it's like all mush basically the whole time. I mean, no one even knows what the top three picks are going to be. Um, so guys could fall into the second round even. Uh, but I identified um, – you guys know I love uh, Aaron Nesmith, but that's I think he's going to go sooner than that. Um, but I identified uh, RJ Hampton, who we're familiar with, um, is uh, apparently rising a lot of the mock drafts these days. Mike Miller's got him in the gym. We've seen that. And he's shooting it really well. And there's just been a lot of really good buzz about him. Uh, and he, of course, is a you know a high-caliber player. And I like the fact that he's doing what he's doing with Mike. I mean, it shows to me he legitimately likes to improve and wants to get better. Um, and uh, not just to get drafted in the first round this year, but maybe to, to, to be a successful player. Or Desmond Bain at a TCU. Uh, he's a guy that shows up in a lot of boards. He's kind of a definitely won't fail guy. Uh, he's 22. He's a senior. Um, he shot 46% from three this year and was just a do-it-all three and D guy. Um, he uh, apparently like, you know, Kevin O'Connor was talking about, he's a great passer too. He only averaged like four or five assists, but he was one of the best passers in terms of his vision too. So he's a, a guy that's ceiling isn't so high, but could be a starter for a playoff team. Uh, and he's 22, definitely fits the timeline as well. And I think would, would just fit with the chemistry of this team is a guy that wants to come and work really hard. Doesn't really care where he goes is not, doesn't seem to be particularly like an LA guy or like a, you know, a guy that cares about what team he's drafted for. Um, so I, I think getting up into that first round though, Mason is, is crucial this year, especially when some guys could fall almost assuredly some guy, the Grizzlies has targeted and like a lot could fall. And there are a lot of teams at the end, Philly, um, you know, the Timberwolves at 17, even, uh, I don't know if they want that pick. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you can talk them and it's Kyle Anderson and some second rounders because they got a, the first round pick or the number one overall pick. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that draft. I'd like to get in the first round. Rich, what do you got? Uh, yeah, so a lot of my thinking has been centered around more so uh, potential free agent signings and what have you. Uh, but to stick with the theme of kind of this first go round with the draft, uh, definitely if we're thinking of people who – stick out to me or, you know, I would love to see in a Grizzlies uniform. Nesmith is my number one, uh, Aaron Nesmith out of Vanderbilt, who you already spoke about, um, just his shooting stroke, um, the way he plays the game. I would love to see him. Um, somebody else that's really stuck out to me during this um, kind of introductory draft process has been uh, Cassius Stanley from Duke, who didn't really get the chance to kind of show, I feel, his full game um, running with the Blue Devils this past season. Um, he's a young athletic wing um, who gets out in transition, um, can shoot it a little bit. Um, and I think if he's 19, he might be 19 years old. Um, if that super high upside as well. Um, but definitely Aaron Nesmith, uh, from down the road in Nashville from Vandy would be my first choice. Um, and Cash Stanley, somebody who I have my eye on as well. Yeah. The problem with Nesmith is he's like almost universally going 13 or 14, yeah. um, to, to the late lottery. Uh, maybe he doesn't though. I mean, look at Brandon Clark. Maybe he starts following at that point. The Grizzlies, you know, feel the urge, jump up there and snag him. Let that be awesome. Um, well, let's go revert. Let's go snake style. Since Rich, you said you had some free agent targets. What do you got? Ah, uh, yeah. So I mean, just just thinking about you know some of the potential for this summer, and you know, we don't know what's what's going to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty, things up in the air. I've just been kind of spitballing some people that I would have interest in. Um, who kind of fit the timeline and might be available. Um, so the first person who uh, I've been very interested in is Harry Giles out of Sacramento. Um, somebody who has had some minor injury history. Um, but man, when I see him play like his game, I just love the way in which he can operate out of the mid range, um, solid rebounder, solid post passer, um, has a legitimate jump shot. 
Um, and when he's been given the opportunity and when he's seen the floor in the shit show that is Sacramento, uh, he's been able to stand out and been able to kind of thrive. Um, I just love his game, what he brings to the table. Um, and I would love to see him in a more showcased role in a more stable organization and environment. Being that third or fourth big off of the bench for the Grizz um, is something that I would be all for. Um, somebody else I've been looking at is within our division, within the Southwest, that's Brent Forbes um, out of San Antonio, who yeah. is a solid knockdown shooter. Um, and he's somebody who's kind of, I feel, going to get lost in the shuffle there in San Antonio. I mean, you've got DeJounte Murray, you've got Derek White, you've got Lonnie Walker. Um, I think Keldon Johnson did some things in the bubble to where he's going to earn some rotation minutes next year uh, under Pop. And you might see Brent Forbes as somewhat of an odd man out in that rotation. Um, he doesn't quite do much more outside than shoot um, for a basketball team, but that's exactly what the Grizzlies need. That's exactly what the Grizzlies would need him for. Um, he's somebody who I've seen hit some hit a hell of a lot of shots against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and I think there could definitely be a spot for him um, somewhere uh, within that, that, that second guard rotation um, just to come in, hit shots, uh, hit open shots. At the end of the day, that's what it all comes down to. Like, are you hitting your open shots? Um, are you able to, you know, when our guards sink into the pain and drive and kick, can he knock down that shot? And I think he's somebody that can um, to round it off. I think I can go with three. I would say um, I'm going to go with Myers Leonard out of Miami, um, who was with the Heat this past Ooh. season. Um, he is somebody who still kind of fits the timeline. Um, and, man, he just – I feel one, – the one thing that always stuck out to me is the teammate that he seems to be, like just how active he was on the bench even once he fell yeah. out of the rotation, how supportive he fucking was. He seems like that annoyingly supportive guy who was just always so fucking happy, just happy to be here. Like, yes, guys, we're in the NBA. Woo! Like, you know, he might be a little too much if he's on your team, but I would love to have him um, as that veteran presence in the locker room. Uh, he's a pick and pop big. Uh, he can step out and hit the jump shot uh, when needed, can rebound. He's he's um, sneakily mobile, I would say. Um, and I think, you know, when we saw him with the greater opportunity in Portland early in his career, he did contribute. Um, he just kind of got lost in the shuffle out there with the Blazers and um, came to the heat and, you know, suffered an injury because um, he started this entire season uh, prior to the bubble. Uh, but, you know, with the ascension of Bam and just the camaraderie that you saw from the Heat with those players that were playing in the bubble, I think, you know, they kind of have what's what's going to be happening moving forward. Once the deal for Jay Crowder was made and Iggy, um, that kind of nudged Myers out of that rotation a little bit. But uh, he's somebody who I would definitely love to see in the trenches with our guys um, who I think with a greater opportunity could possibly flourish. So, yeah. Who are so you letting just, off the team to because we have a full roster? Um, so who, who are you not signing or um, just letting roll off the books in order to get any of these guys? Uh, you know, who, who are you OK with, I guess, falling off the Grizzlies roster? Uh, first and foremost, great man does some wonderful things for his country. Georgie Ding, um, you are an awesome stand up individual, uh, but I would definitely not be uh, upset to see him depart. Um, also, I think the writing is on the wall with Josh. Um, I don't think. He's returning. And in the event that DeAnthony does not resign and him and the Grizzlies can't come to terms, that's uh, who I would feel uh, the void for Brent Forbes. Um, and so, yeah, it's all dependent upon DeAnthony um, and what happens with his free agency. If he signs or doesn't resign, I would love to resign DeAnthony. Um, but him, Georgie Dean, Josh Jackson, um, interested to see also what happens with just a lot of the other names down the roster, even our two ways. Honestly, I don't think Utah's going to be back. Um, I would love to find something to do with that Gaduric contract. Um, there's no reason somebody should be on the team if you 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 know you're not 
you're not getting what you wanted. Um, it's okay to move on and accept that L, hold that L. Um, so yeah, there are definitely some moves that I feel can be made. Um, I think Conchar's play, um, I've seen a lot of the fan base wants to parlay him into a bigger role as a standard roster member. I'm not sure what, what that's going to look like uh, with the front office, but yeah, there are definitely uh, some pieces that I would be comfortable moving around if that meant bringing in some of these guys that I just mentioned. All right, I got a couple things. First of all, is I am extremely intrigued by the awkwardness of Myers Leonard in Memphis, uh, bringing him <laughs> to you know the the, the culture of that is Memphis. Um, you know, we're talking about the guy who stood for, oh, yeah, for the anthem. Uh, so I'm definitely intrigued in that. Um, other than that, the free agent report, man, we're gonna need some Viagra because those guys just aren't getting it done for me. Not not exciting. <laughs> Um, wow, what a what a what a colorful way to put that. I feel like you need to be on part of my take right now. But uh, let's just let's uh, kind of take a step back and look at who the Grizzlies have under contract and who we don't. So upcoming free agent, like Rich mentioned, is DeAnthony Melton. He's a restricted free agent, meaning that the Grizzlies will be able to match any offer he gets. Um, you know, as long as they want to. Jonte uh, Porter's got a team option. Wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him. Maybe we do. Josh Jackson, of course, is uh, his contract is up. We can only bring him back at like the nine million dollar mark per the stipulations of his contracts and us declining to uh, extend him or uh, opt in to his team option. And then we'll also be losing the vet, Anthony Tolliver. So uh, we've got 11 players under contract. So we do have room to sign uh, two or three more guys. Um, just a quick rundown of our roster. Of course, we've got Jai and Ty. Ja and Tyus under contract for next year and the following year for that matter. At the shooting guard spot, we've got Dylan, Marco, and Grayson. And believe it or not, Marco will be making uh, $200,000 more than, than Grayson. <laughs> and then at the small forward, we've got Justice and Kyle, power forward, Jaron and Brandon. And then center, of course, uh, Gorgie and JV with Gorgie being the highest played, paid player on our team. So that's kind of as well. Expiring, yeah. The, the expiring that's that's circled a lot, I think, by everyone doing Grizzlies trades is kind of make any money work if they need to do a trade, and and will almost certainly be moved before the trade deadline at some point. Um, considering it's an asset now, a, a big expiring contract, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, I think the two people that keep getting talked about being moved are Gorgie and Kyle. Um, and what what you can get for Please. them in return, who knows? But uh, Zach actually did a great in depth piece on Kyle. Uh, Zach, you want to kind of talk about that piece and why it makes you want to get rid of Kyle? Yeah. So, I mean, we have the eye test, right? Like we can, we can kind of see what Kyle does bring to us, uh, on the floor It is obviously not offense. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. I took a fairly deep dive into an article on him that is posted up on the dash barnburner.com. And what I did and what I've done with some of these analysis, try to compare, like bucket guys into comparable groups. So I did the same thing for Dylan Brooks, 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 uh, to <laughs> Corona, man. Okay. To see Take your time. how they see how they do compared to guys who are like similar usage rate, similar minutes, similar position, that type of thing. Uh, so there was 47 players that fell into a criteria for him. So I looked at guys who played his position and even like, 30% more or less minutes than him to try to like narrow in. He was in the bottom half in every single offensive category. 
And out of 47, he was 43rd in three-point attempts and 42nd in three-point percentage. So, I mean, I that's expected. something – yeah. Yeah, I mean that's essentially the bottom of the barrel. He he is one of our uh, better defenders as far as advanced metrics goes, but uh, you have another guy like, that you've mentioned, Rich, um, D'Anthony Melton, that Memphis is probably going to be pretty interested in bringing back to the team, and something that he and Kyle they both are defensive-minded players. That's where their at least that's where their value is on the roster. They're not there to score twenty points a night, and I think that if Memphis decides to go with to go with Melton, which certainly seems like they could do, he's restricted. I think they have early bird rights on him also, mm-hmm. uh, so they could sign him without it counting against their cap, which uh, would be very helpful for them this season because they're already operating. Uh, as an above the cap team at this point, and they're gonna have to use their exceptions to to sign some guys or exception, I should say. Uh, but really, there's not a spot for Anderson to me if you keep Melton on this roster. And if I have to hold him side by side, Melton's the one that I'm gonna place a lot higher priority, just because he does have more of an upside potential on offense, and he can move he can move better with the flow of the game that Memphis is trying to play. Whereas slow-mo obviously is not about that life. He may be a a better passer, um, but essentially all of the guys that played significant minutes with him are worse on offense, have worse offensive numbers just when he's on the court. So you can say that he's probably, he's clogging up the lane. He's not stretching the floor at all, which is not allowing jaw to get to the rim. It's allowing defenders to come over and double team Valanchunas. So really clogging up our offense. And that that's an area that Memphis needs to improve on. Um, so those are some of the highlights from kind of a, a deep dive into Kyle and just really, I, I was like, I was lukewarm on him before doing the study. And then afterwards I was just over it. I, what were you? What were like, you on uh, on uh, Dylan? Because you did one on Dylan as well. You, what were you before, and then were you higher on him after, or were you neutral on him? Did it change your opinion? No. What, what I found out about Dylan is that Dylan is who exactly who we think he is, but not he's who he excellent. thinks he is. <laughs> no, he yeah. he's the third. Uh, <laughs> he's part of the big three, man. He's like mm. up there. He's our Chris Bosh, obviously. But uh, yeah, I. I yeah, he is not what he thinks he is, but he's exactly what we think he is. So if he sticks to the several things, catch and shoot, you know, he's and catch and shoot and tough defense, that's a good player right there. When he starts dribbling, that's when you get into trouble. Which he won't. I mean, uh, you know, if, if you know, if the if the lottery ticket that I buy has the winning numbers on it, then I win the lottery. That's that's the same kind of thing as what you're saying about Dylan. But the, all right, so like the D.A.D. Milton's come up a lot. That's number two on my list, re-signing him. Um, you know, he's a, he's a restricted free agent. We have bird rights on him. Bobby Marks, who's kind of the guru on salary expectations, has predicted him at a three-year, $18 million range. Six mm-hmm. a year, very reasonable, I feel like. Um, maybe a little high, but I don't think he did himself any favors in the bubble because we honestly put him in a position to fail um, by playing the backup point guard, which is not his position at all. And you could tell yeah, he was super tough. uncomfortable. And so I don't even – I think it was great because I think if you're just like some random team tuning in thinking about throwing some money at him, maybe you don't understand the nuance of why he looked bad, whereas like the team, the Grizzlies front office, and we as astute watchers do understand that that's what was going on and that it was just kind of a weird position to be in. 
So I think you almost have to bring him back, let Josh walk, and um, you know probably probably don't bring back the veteran either, Tolliver. And uh, but he's the one guy that's on the roster now that I'd be that I'd want to actually extend this offseason. What what do you guys think of the three year, eighteen million, so around sixty a year? Do you think that's high, low, fair? What would we think? I think for someone who's probably, I mean, he's he's going to get minutes every single night. He's going to be your what second, second, third, third guy off bench. Say it if you got Brandon Clark and Tyus Jones still coming off the bench. Uh, I don't I don't think that's a terrible contract considering what you're getting from him. He's pretty consistent. Yeah, the bubble that was a a situation where he was put in that, like you said, he's not the point guard. That's where I think drafting or bringing on another ball handler could really be helpful and allow him to play that off-ball role where he's creating chaos and, you know, having some sneaky scoring games. Uh, but I'm not balking at that number. I would go ahead and, and ink it up uh, as is because they – I mean, they traded for him, so obviously they feel good about him. So that kind of leads me to think that they're going to keep him for that price tag. 22 years old, movable down the yeah. line. Obviously he'll be tradable yeah. at any point. So I don't think a $6 million – per year contract you can even descend it down and maybe team option third year but um i don't think that's that's so ridiculous mason you, you look dubious uh I, before i get to mason too I, I feel like uh another point guard would be great you know and i get another the need for another ball handler and i mean obviously i'd rather have another usable point guard than marco on the team because he just is taking up a spot and not playing but we do have justice and presumably if he can play uh, he basically played point guard for the Heat for a very competitive and playoff Heat team um, that we can kind of give him the keys when Tyus or Jar off the floor. Um, and, and it would have been awesome if he would have been able to play in the bubble, obviously. Uh, but then him being always hurt is the the thing there. Uh, Mason, what do you think of DeAnthony? And I know you you were a big D-Melt guy throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that'd be a steal. Uh, I think we're gonna have to pay a little more than that for him, even after his kind of poor performance in the bubble. Uh, maybe three years, 24, something like that. I think he might get a little more. I mean, Dylan got 10 a year. Granted, he can shoot a little better, but. And that was us extending him too. That wasn't on the market. We don't know what he would have commanded on the market. And the cap's going down too. Yep. So, uh, I mean, I think just the impact that Melton had on the games last year, you have no choice but to bring him back. I mean, with that second unit, he was crucial when we were building up our wins in that December to February time frame, I mean, he he just getting his hands on the ball, starting the break, getting the ball to Tyus Jones. He rebounds really well for a guard, which we need on this team. Um, so, you know, barring something completely outlandish, I'd be willing to pay Melton, you know, whatever another team offers him, probably up to, you know, close to $30 million, honestly. Rich? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think that the the contract that you stated um, at six, um, 18 over three is a steal, honestly. Like I'm one of the biggest D'Anthony Nelson fans there is. Um, I definitely uh, view him as a priority of this young nucleus. Um, there's just so many ways in which he's able to impact the game without scoring um, that I think are invaluable. Some of those characteristics that just don't show up in the box score in the stat sheet. Um, and I just really think that, you know, at 22 years of age, like, you know, it's only up from here, honestly. Um, so I think with him having that additional investment from the front office um, and being able to be placed back into a, uh, a position where he's going to succeed, um, you know, sans that experience in the bubble, um, in which, you know, he was just out of place, you know, being asked to do things that weren't really 
within his wheelhouse this season. Um, I think that he is a asset for sure. And it's clear um, as we know that there are some teams out there who are trying to, you know, submit some offer sheets. Um, that's the rumblings around the league, but you know, he's somebody that I don't want the Grizzlies to let walk out that door. Um, and I would love to have him, you know, in a Grizzly uniform for the foreseeable future to grow with this core. Yeah. And I mean, this is a 22 year old who's uh, exposed elite skill sets. I mean, he was one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Um, so there's only room for him to grow. We know he can play solid minutes on a given night on a team that is competing each and every night. And yeah, I mean, we got to bring him back no matter what. So I think we all agree we want DeAnthony back and we want Kyle traded. I think that's pretty much the consensus. Now, where we may differ is I don't want to make any big moves. Like I don't want to go get a Zach Levine or a Buddy Hield. I'm willing to go into this next year, um, see what we're like with Justice Winslow, um, with Tyus back healthy. Grayson kind of had a breakout. Maybe he's this starting shooting guard. Obviously not the long long term whatever this draft pick is that we're going to trade into the first round to get. And then whatever moves, I mean, if we have a Bryn Forbes, you know, someone who could shoot, um, you know, but I know Sam feels differently and he's itching to pull the trigger on a trade and bring some more talent in here. So Sam, as your third, as your third move, do you have a big, big bang for us? Well, just, uh, just so happens I do. And I appreciate (laughs) that segue. What an amazing tee up there. I feel assisted and like Brandon Clark, I'm going to dunk this basketball right now. Appreciate and it. look, here's the, uh, here's, here's like my, here's my, Rosarina. you're going to smash it out of the park. <laughs> the, and here's, here's, all right. The case for not doing it. And, and, uh, and excuse me if I make a mistake, Mason, jump in and, and correct me on the case for not doing this and, and doing what you're saying is that we presumably are not going to be winning a title uh, the next two or three years when you would kind of have whatever this guy would be uh, under contract. Um, and that, that's one thing. So that's kind of the goal of why you try to make a big swing uh, Two, obviously you give up whatever you give up to get this person um, in the form of picks and young players. Uh, three, you get to see what you have now and, um, uh, you know, keep adding potentially high draft picks, depending on how well or not well you do in the draft. And there's no way to tell on that. And then, you know, kind of build for a post LeBron era, like uh, when John Jaren or somewhere around 24 or 25, they hit their max extensions, which every player in the history of the league has signed. So we will get these guys for seven years um, and uh, and then go from there and, and kind of then start to compete. Is that, am I missing like the case for why you sit, sit tight? Like what, what else am I missing? No, I think you got, you hit it for the most part. Um, the biggest thing for me is the internal team growth, evaluating what you have so you can make um a fine-tuned decision on what the piece is that you need. At this point, I don't think we necessarily know exactly what that is. We know it's some type of score on the wing, um, but we also don't know the other pieces to the puzzle. Um, And then as it stands right now, we have a lot of flexibility. I don't want to get locked into something that we're kind of just stuck and and we can't pounce on a move if it comes about. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, well, the, and, and my my big splash is the biggest splash, like the biggest name that, that we've even heard possibly posited, and that's Buddy Heald. I'm sorry, Bradley Beal. Um, <laughs> I was just kidding. I just wanted to see your face. But, uh, yeah, like uh, Bradley Beal, and, and I don't know if it's possible, uh, but here's the case for that. And, and with, with Bradley Beal in mind, understanding that you, you got to give up maybe the far and close to Anthony Davis level stuff to get it, uh, is that you it, during the tenure of pre-2023 
uh, time where you don't have Justice, I'm sorry, we don't have Ja and Jaron on max deals. Um, you have them on these rookie extensions. You kind of have room to like have a ridiculous contract on your books. Um, and, and not that not that Bradley Beals is even ridiculous. I mean, he's a 30 point a game, six assists, four rebound guy that um, that I really like and also fits presumably what we need. I mean, I don't think anyone says no to a guy that can score like that on the wing and shoot like he does, obviously. Um, and, uh, and I mean, he's a, uh, you know, 20, 23 PER last year, 27 years old. So he'd have him on his contract for years, 27, 28, 29. So the, the, basically him entering his prime and being at the height of his prime. Um, he's not really an, I mean, knock on wood, he's not a guy that gets injured. So you're not like, you know, trading in potential problems there. Um, I mean, that, that's the, that's the player you'd potentially be getting in this sort of deal. Another thing is, you know, you, you, Show John Jaron uh, at this time that you're trying to win at the highest level possible. And you put another guy that's going to help him do that. Um, another guy that, I, I, as far as I know, I mean, I know he's pissed when he didn't make the all-star team and justifiably so, but seems to be a good locker room guy, a guy that I think would fit. I've heard him on some podcasts. Just seems like a re- could potentially be a really good vet. I don't know how he's going to fit if, if, you know, Jaw's got some of the shine and he doesn't. Um, but he seemed to play really well with John Wall when John Wall was the number one guy there. And, and they seemed to work really well in tandem. And John Wall's kind of a comparable player to Ja uh, in terms of not really a shooter, just a speedy point guard. So I could see them working well. And he uh, he has a player option. And uh, so his, his contract is 28, 34, then 37, the 37. So we'd have him for two years if we traded for him this offseason, guaranteed. Then he has a player option for 37, which I don't know whether he opts in or out. Um, you know, it depend on what the market is at that time. It's a lot of money. Or if he goes for a sign and trade somewhere else, so maybe we could do that and get some assets in for him in a sign and trade, um, or we trade him as a you know he opts in and we trade him as an expiring somewhere that he wants to go and we get some assets um, because players are you know kind of doing that now, just being honest with teams with what they're going to do in advance. Uh, so he actually would come off the books as soon as we have to max extend Jaren that summer. So then then that that is like the next period, the period that like um, that we're wondering about what's going to happen when we max extend Jaren and then jaw the next year. The problem is we got to give up a lot. I mean, in the package that I came up with is a is a package that includes Gorgie and, and Dylan to make the money work. And Dylan, some some consider him a good asset. I think a lot of teams would honestly. Um, you have to throw Brandon Clark in there. Uh, you 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 do in order to entice the Wizards. And then a twenty twenty two unprotected first rounder, ours, the Jazz first round pick, and then either the Golden State pick in twenty twenty four or another one of our picks somewhere around there, maybe. Um, our 2024 pick. Uh, and that's a lot of draft capital. But those draft picks would all be during years where you would presumably be good anyway. Uh, I mean, and, and, and you know, those would be late first rounders. And of course, I'm not saying you can't get a guy at that point. Best case scenario, you win games, you're competitive in the playoffs, and you are really good and exciting for a team that, you know, it, it is going to be really good and exciting. Um, and then maybe Bradley Beal likes playing and resigns. We don't know. Uh, but, you know, if I'm a guy that wants to win a title, I'm looking for a team like the Mavs or, you know, the Grizzlies or Pelicans to try to latch onto and kind of ride out like Jimmy Butler did with the Heat, turns 30, joins a team that he sees a lot of young talent on and then gets to the finals. So that's the case for it. Uh, I don't, and again, this, I don't even know if the Wizards say yes to that. Um, but that, that is a, it, it is a, a rare opportunity where you have a guy like that you could go get. Grizzlies are not going to sign anyone in free agency as good as Bradley Beal. The Grizzlies are probably not ever going to draft a guy as good as Bradley Beal in the, at the draft position they're going to be in. We hope that that's not the case, but just the odds of that happening are, are not good. And so I just would rather have him if we could. Yeah, I was reading a uh, 
Y'all know Bleacher Report just does like articles like every day. Oh and, man, like, it's a crazy trade. Yeah. to do the anyway. One of the ones uh, from earlier this week I was reading was like dark horse trade for every NBA team, and it's crazy because they had Bradley Bill going to the Grizzlies, um, and they were just kind of it was similar to your package actually, Sam. Uh, I think they had Bill to Memphis for Gorgie, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, and an unprotected 2022 first. Yeah. Um, and that was the package. Um, and they were just basically like, you know, talking about the timeline, the fit. Um, and a 2022, a first round pick in Brandon Clark is a great starting point for negotiations um, in any for any team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that shit sounds like lovely. I mean, you got a St. Louis guy pretty close to home. Uh, if he's playing in Memphis um, and man, he's, he's just a fucking bucket. Um, and we're not signing a free agent like that. Like, you know, I mean, hopefully that could happen in the future, but that's just not happening. So uh, I'm definitely, I would put my chips on the table if a talent like Bradley Bill was available. Is that? Yeah. Don't I, like, I feel you. Like if that's on the table, hard for me to turn down, but I'm kind of more in the camp with Mason at this point of really curious to see how the current iteration of the roster plays out before we know what like specifically we need to do. And say you bring Beal in and we need a two guard though. We need a yeah, we need a two guard that can score. Right. <laughs> like, that's what we need. There's there's no debate that he but, is what we need. I mean and, and but is is Brad Beal, John Morant, and Jaron Jackson, is that team good enough? Like, where does that team take us? Because, I mean, he played with John Wall, so there's two great players. And is is Ja, Jaron, and Brad going to really push us up into that tier where we're trying to get to ultimately? Like, I understand that we need to make that sort of move, but I don't know if now is necessarily the time to do that. I don't know if Ja and Jaron are ready yet for that kind of – that level. They're still only – 21 years old i think that you have to make that move at some point uh but i don't know if that this offseason is like necessarily the time that you have to go and do that yeah i don't think that team wins a playoff series in the west next year yeah could, based on what i mean did you think the nuggets were going to be in the west Conference finals i mean i would think the nuggets were better than us yeah they were what the two seed last year as well yeah, I mean, they have, they're constantly are two or three seeds and never advance in the playoffs, right? But I mean, they like win regular season games, yeah, yeah. But, but, but and right. and trading for Brad Bill would leave us with like seven players on the roster, and then you got to fill it out with bet minimum because we have no yeah. money. So we would have we would equ- equivalent his contract by trading away Gorgie Dang and Dylan Brooks. That would be equiv- that would equal his contract. Well, you're going to have to give Brandon Clark. I mean, <laughs> the Wizards aren't going to do that trade for just Gorgie and Dylan. Well, I know. but, but and, then, and then you get – We're giving up draft picks that are in the future. So, like, those aren't present roster guys. Yeah, but you just named three players and you, you're replacing three for one, one. Yeah. And you have no – there's no room. Once you get Bradley Bill in, there's no room to sign more guys except for minimum deals. You'll have the MLE depending on what you do with Melton, but – I just I don't see that as a recipe for success for the franchise moving forward. I see but, if our guys, John and Jaron, are reaching that age, 20, 23, 24, 25, starting to enter their prime, that's when you can make that big splash move, maybe gut the roster a little bit more. and When they're on their, their star power. You don't have the money. You have less power. money there. You can't afford a guy like Beal at that point. 
Like that, you you can't be it. You can't have John Jaron under their max extensions and have a guy like Beal on your roster too. Unless Memphis is going to be deep in the luxury tax, which but they're next off season you can, or ne- next but season on the trade deadline you can make another move. Who do you like next season? I mean, and like why is that podcast? Well, I know, but like what? I mean, I just that? told you I don't like this Bradley Beal trade because I I don't like how it goes against our roster flexibility. It leaves us. With you know eight roster players, one of which is fucking Marco, like it's just it's not good. We're completely depleted down low. All you got is JV and Jaron, and then you're still stuck with Kyle Anderson, who we all agreed has to get the hell out of town. So that's my reason. <laughs> that's what you asked. Wait, wait. Well, no, Kyle's like also in, in another deal that we already talked about. Remember, we're going into the first round and getting another guy this year with with the Kyle trade. I mean, if we can kill two birds with one stone, that'd be great. But we'll see. No, I, I I get it. I mean, that's that's the case for it not. But I, again, like I I would rather do that now, um, and and you know like be good uh, and just have a good team and surround like with winning. I mean, be good ish. I, I don't know what this team, that team could do. Do you uh, think that I, team is better than New Orleans next year? I thought New Orleans was gonna be way better than they were last year. Like I, I what I, here's what I know about New Orleans. I don't know at all how good they are uh, because like I think they made zero sense last year with what they did based on their personnel. Like. So I, I to predict what they're going to be like next year, I couldn't do. I mean, so what, where I, I do you guys think? Be as good as the Mavs. I where do you guys with the think with Bradley Bill that the Grizzlies team could finish next year without um, Brandon Dylan and we'll say Gorgie? Now you make it sound like those I, like that Gorgie contributed anything, uh, like which he didn't, you know, and and, he, and he's the highest paid player on the team. So like that's like basically a wash. I mean, Dylan obviously his his points Dylan would be more than duplicated like by Bradley Beal. Games this season. Who? Dylan Brooks. And, and, and I mean, presumably Bradley Beal would win you twice as many, based on all applicable stats at this point. Yeah, you're the, you're like bench, but then you're a big part of uh, the games we did win was our bench play. And which is going to be without Brandon Clark that you have a whole new whole new dynamic on there. I mean, I'm, you're right. Like our, our bench would be worse than it was last year, but would our starting roster more than make up for the bench play? Uh, I, there's undervaluation of Bradley Beal here and an overvaluation of Gorgie Dang and Dylan Brooks at this point. And like, yeah, I don't Brandon think Clark we're talking right. Gorgie at all. Like Gorgie's just. Yeah. Well, like, I don't know. I just keep I keep, not, keep hearing <laughs> Gorgie come up. Like well, he, you know, every time, like everyone talks about as like a roster spot, as a roster a spot, right? But to, I don't. If a guy doesn't play, it doesn't matter. If he's on the roster, or he doesn't like. If he just sits on the bench and doesn't produce, like just as he's another guy that we could throw in there, doesn't make an effective resource for the team. So you want to go into this season with eight guys? If that's all, I mean, that, that's I mean, that's that's like a that's an insane like hyperbolic statement based on what I'm saying. Like, no, of course that wouldn't happen, and you know they would sign other guys like every other team does, and the fact that. Actually, like the team would be exactly the same salary wise if we traded away Dylan Brooks and Gorgie Dang for Bradley Beal's salary, which would equate that. And then mm-hmm. if we trade Brandon Clark away too, actually, we're actually we have more money to spend if we trade those guys away on another guy. I mean, it, it's it, it's the problem for sure. That's the con. But I think there's and I've said this before, like I think there's an overvaluation on draft picks now i think we've gone way far the other way it used to be like fucking sons remember then they'd like sell their draft picks when they had steve nash because they didn't want to pay for a guy like 21 
Um, that that was that was ridiculous. But then suddenly they started getting like uh, Danny Ainge in that era of GM started like hoarding them like misers, and you know, and, and then they became like this really coveted thing. Uh, but I think there's too many assumptions and unknowns with the draft pick. Um, we assume that that 2022 that would be in this fake trade that probably would never happen anyway would be a good pl- that we would end up at a spot to select a good player, and that also we would select a good player and he would fit and be good. Uh, and that's that's a lot of things that I just don't think are worth like taking a chance on when you can just have a good guy now um, and and then still be in the same position when John Jaron or 24, 25, like Mason said, to try to make another move at that point, because you'd have him anyway. Yeah. I, I To be clear, I'm not opposed. I think that whenever we do make this trade to t- try to take ourselves to the next level, whether that is going to be this year or next year or the year after, it's going to be it's going to involve Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, and probably two to three first round draft picks. And I'm at peace with that and totally fine with that. I just don't think that right now is the time where that decision needs to be made. Sure. I mean that's fair. That's that's the that's the case against it for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, there's no like there, there's no right or wrong answer to that. There's no like. No one can say that either two of us are right, but there's pros and cons to both sides. And I like the pros more on the Bradley Bill trade. If that's even a possibility, which what I don't like, and it makes mentioned like Levine and, and Buddy Heald, which we talked about. Um, I wouldn't do that for Levine, obviously. Uh, Buddy might actually get dumped, weirdly. Uh, apparently, like there's a lot of talk about like the Kings really not wanting to pay him. And in fact, attaching like a picks to get rid of him. Um, yeah. Do you do that? If uh, they're, they're like, hey, we'll give you a future first and Buddy for Gorgie Dang and I don't know, something else? Um, or Mason, are you still sitting back and not taking in anything to remain flexible? And, I, I, you know, what, what are the reasons you don't want Bradley Beal? I mean, if a team's going to give me Buddy Hield and a pick for Gorgie Dang, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Well, um, he's, power, he's making 22 a year, you know? I mean, you, you want flexibility. You still have 37, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a no, big Bradley, difference. But he's he's escalating. He's been twenty two, then twenty four, then twenty six. I think. I mean, he's he's on an ascending deal, or is it twenty two every year? Twenty four, twenty two, twenty eighteen. It's a Sammy contract. Oh, good. That's how you do it. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, technically he's making four million dollars less than Bradley Beal next year, which I think I'd probably take Bradley Beal over Buddy Hill. But you're right. Then his salary jumps up. Um, but you do you do the Buddy Hill trick? I yeah. I would. Do That's that. a no brainer. But Bradley Beal is like, oh, hang on, guys. They're two completely different trades. Like I don't know. That's not even the argument. What do okay. I? Yeah, we're, I'm not really. I'm not selling the farm to get Buddy. I'm like, and that you'd, you'd that have to situation. trade guys too in order to like make the salary work. Well, I mean, I guess who, who you'd have to trade? You have to trade Gorgie probably, and then another guy like a I don't know who. Like maybe slow mo. Maybe you can get Kyle out of here, which would be great. Hey man, That's how about a triple? Win. How about Gorgie and Kyle for Wiggins? Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck out of here, Rick Barn. <laughs> I've just been trying to think of bad players with big contracts that I could throw out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, no, I, uh, you're forgetting, man. The Warrior system, he's going to be great in it. You know, like they really got like a, a great culture out there in Silicon Valley and like they got these shooters and w- they're going to unlock Wiggins. He's such a talented guy that really loves to play. 
He's not going to play for the Warriors <laughs> this year. Um, but we do have some pieces throughout the year, like Tyus Jones. I could see a contending team needing a backup point guard. They might trade for him to have him under contract for it the following year year as well, 21-22. I'm not married to anyone on this team other than Ja and Jaron um, if the right deal comes up along the way. But I, w- I would like to see how they play for, you know, 50 games together next year, see if justice is worth a fuck or not, um, see what Brandon Clark turns into. We saw him be able to shoot the three. We know Jaron is – you know, a new breed big, seeing how they can fit together, if they get better together, or if Jaron's always going to have to have a big bruiser down there like JV. Um, well, I mean, even JV, I could trade him to a team that needs a big, uh, you know, in the Western Conference to go up against AD and the Clippers and uh, all the joke, Jokic, all the bigs that the Western Conference has to offer. So I do think by the end of next season, our roster could look completely different than it does even if uh, we make minimal moves around the edges going forward into this offseason. Oh, what's going to happen is, no, is nothing as nothing as huge as anything that any Grizzlies fan can come up with on Bleacher's Report. But um, you just hope they make smart deals and don't, don't do a halfway deal. You know, I don't want to do like a Levine deal. Like that doesn't make sense to me. That's not really moving the needle one way or the other. And I'd be afraid on that sort of thing, unless you could get him for like just an insanely good price. But even then, his contract isn't great. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's tough. Uh, I I don't know what to expect the next two years, and I I would I just don't want to watch shitty basketball, basically. So I'm like selfish and wanting to be good. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we got John Jaren, so it's going to be good. Just if if it's good up to your standards, I mean, I don't I don't think we're going to be playoff contenders, so. Yeah, and I know. Um, I, I'm really worried about a world where we max Jaron in 2023, we max Ja in 2024, which has to happen for the Grizzlies. And then we have, you know, like more than 50% of our salary cap taken up with those two contracts. They're 24 or 20 years old. And then Brandon Clark's contract rolls up, and we max him, and suddenly, you know, I don't know. Just if have the same like, team forever. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know. I just don't know if that gets us anywhere, you know. Uh, I'd like to think that those guys are going to be – transcendent all-stars and first team all NBA. Uh, but I, I just don't know that. Uh, so I, I just, I, I'm always looking for the way to get a guy on this team. Um, when we have a team now that can like do things more than perhaps we've ever had. Uh, so that that's, and it's going to take creative roster moving and maybe this team, cause they're cool dudes could convince a guy to come. But I mean, that's just, I just, you have to assume never, we're never going to get a free agent ever. So, and I basically don't give a shit about, picks if they're going to be in the low 20s ever um and and you know just because i just don't know what's going to happen maybe you end up with a guy brandon clark but more often than not you don't and i don't know yeah but we'll see maybe maybe with all of our flexibility and and money next summer we'll bring someone in that'll make us good and be like a, a a valuable resource to this team but i i just don't know who that guy is and it's not often that you have a guy potentially tradable like Beal on the line. It's a weird situation, right? Like that doesn't happen a lot. And um, when he's gettable for a team like the Grizzlies. I mean, every offseason, somebody's available. Everybody's always available for the right price. Yeah, but like Anthony Davis, right, who wants to go to the Lakers and he won't let anyone else trade for him. I mean – that, that's I mean, Bradley Bill, if you, Bradley Bill is going to have three teams on his list, and that's all it's going to be. It's going to be the same exact thing. 
probably true. But you get him for, you know, two years for sure. And then once he's off the books, no harm, no foul. He goes, he, he leaves, he opts out, he goes somewhere else. And then, then you're then you're maxing John Jarrett, and then you're back exactly where you'd be anyway. Only what you missed out on your 2022 pick, whoever that is, and you missed out on the Jazz pick, which is likely going to be in the low 20s. And you don't have Brandon Clark, and yeah, maybe in on maybe on the Wizards, he blossoms into, I don't know, like a first team NBA guy, and that would suck. But I don't know. I just don't know what to expect. And the right moves had to be made, and I don't know what they are, but moves have to be made. I don't think Stanley Pat is ever the answer in the league that's moving is faster than fucking Wall Street is these days, I feel like. It's really whatever Bleach Report comes up with. I think that's probably the route that we should go. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's hey, Brandon, Brandon Clark is not going to be first team anything, I don't think. I think he's just a super sub for life. You think he's ever an all-star? Brandon Clark? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not Brandon Clark. Hell no. Zach Lowe all-star. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a Zach Lowe all-star for sure. <laughs> I can see that article right now. All right. Well, I think that's our time. We're running up against it. Zach, take us home. Thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of the Backdoor <laughs> Cut on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Until next time, see you later and go Grizz. Peace. Stay in quarantine.